You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Hello, you're listening to The Happiness Hub with me, Keds, and my co-producer, co-presenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely the producer of this one, Keds. It's me, Liz. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Liz. What have you been up to? Um, well, I've been a busy bee this week. What I've been doing, um, we've oh, I had a really good event, a self-employment event for my role at the Pledge with the Cheshire and Warrington Lep. So we had 60 people from, well, 60 young people, mainly 16 to 24 year olds from across Cheshire and Warrington looking to set up their own business. Mm-hmm. So a uh, two part event, one last week and one this week. They, they've gone really, really well. Um, we've been working on our happy appy, haven't we? Bit of yeah. bit of stuff there, yeah. and we've also buddies have been really busy. We've we've hooked up with well, we've been asked by Reese Heath College to help with uh, the lateral flow testing of all their students. They need to get yeah. through about eight to nine hundred a day, and right. next week, uh, well, from when this podcast goes out, so from tomorrow, um, we will be supplying about twenty five to thirty uh, volunteers each day to uh, to help with that process and it's going to be a, a fortnight uh, a session to test every student mm-hmm. actually i had an email from louise this morning because we had a few people on our nantwich buddies facebook page so they'd like to help out with that and she says that they seem to be pretty much covered now thanks to our help oh, buddies but she said she just took a few people's names just for backups just in case you know some people can't make it and things so that's really okay. good news Excellent. That is good news. Thanks for letting me know that. I'll make sure I don't uh, send any more her way. <laughs> um, yeah, happy, happy. So we're going to have a meeting later with Ben to talk about that. But we've kind of kind of divvied up the weeks for, to kind of sync in with our next series. So we've got two more episodes of this podcast series to do around mental health charities today we've got a lovely lady called Ruth Williams from the Smile Group but we do have two more episodes to record and we're looking for mental health charities so if you recommend one or you um, want to come on yourself you you look after own or mental health charity in the the Cheshire uh, East Cheshire area we'd love to hear from you in time uh, for us to wrap up our second series brilliant and they can get in touch with us at info at nantwichbuddies.org if they're interested in doing that. Right then, time to introduce our guest. So we have a guest in the studio, our virtual studio with us today. We have Ruth Williams, who's joining us from the Smile Group. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Hello. Good evening, everybody. How are you doing today, Ruth? We've we been had a busy day. Uh, yes, um, yeah, call started at half past six actually this morning, so um, yeah, <laughs> Some, sometimes it's a long day, but um, not very often, and I enjoy it, so just after that is. <laughs> yeah, that's a long day. You've nearly been working the full 12 hours now, have you? Oh, yeah, did yeah. You do it yet? I, I did, and I've had a gap in between, I must okay. admit, and played with the kids in between and, and done a million washing loads and things like that. <laughs> well. The wonders of working from home, you can do all those bits and bobs. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So before we go into talking about the Smile Group, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Ruth. My background, I suppose, has been uh, safeguarding. Mm -hmm. I've got a history of working in safeguarding, child in need, child protection, um, early years. 
school as a learning mentor um so mental health is a real passion of mine but ultimately that's obviously come about partly because of smile group i'm a school governor um i'm chair of lady circle this year in sandbach <laughs> so i kind of got my fingers everywhere and yeah, um okay. yeah do do a lot of things <laughs> you're almost as busy as liz liz has done just so many different things what do you think about that liz yeah i think there's a quite an active lady circle over in sandbach isn't there there is, yeah. There was a talk at one point of uh, setting one up in Nantwich, which someone asked me to help them with. And I was like, I've got time oh, to do that. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you a local lass, Ruth? Are you from... Um... Um, I'm, uh, well, so I was actually born in Sandbach, bizarrely. Um, moved to Congleton when I was two, moved to Macclesfield when I was 17. Um, stayed in uh, Macclesfield until five years ago when I moved back to Sandbach. Um, so at the time... My partner needed easy access to the motorway. Um, I was working in in Sandbach, so yeah, we kind of uh, came over here and I've been really happy and settled actually ever since. Pretty good, yeah. You're slap bang on the M6 there, aren't you? In um, Sandbach, yeah, no, yeah, no complaints <laughs> about easy access to the motorway. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so um, it's a smile group that is it? Was it yourself that set it up? It certainly was. Yeah. Um, so it's been going for 10 years now um, and it came about after the birth of my eldest daughter who is um, 11, who was like 11 last week. So what made you decide to set up the group then? Was it experiences so, of your own? It, yeah, it was, it was my own personal experience ultimately that um, led us there. So I was pregnant in 2009, um, had quite a difficult pregnancy. I contracted something called CMV, cyclomegalovirus, um, which is a bit like uh, chicken pox and shingles. So uh, mm. most of us will have it as a child and probably not know because it's a viral infection and it just goes down as that. But if you have it as an adult, you can actually be quite poorly. So mm. a bit like the shingles side, and it's all part of that whole family. I was 11 to 13 weeks ish pregnant we're not 100 sure so and it was also at the time when uh, swine flu do you remember that when we were yeah, all yeah, about swine flu never mind anything else mm. so there was there was a whole worry around swine flu and and things so i was in and out of hospital i spent about 10 days in hospital in and out of hospital having loads of tests and ultimately they found out that it was this cmv and because of of it being the viral infection and being pregnant at that early stage, they sent us up to St. Mary's in Manchester to see the specialist team up there, um, had loads of like really detailed scans and again, a load of tests. So they, their conclusion was that everything was fine. So they were looking at their scans as to whether there was any brain damage, whether things had formed properly, whether there was any problems. And, and before we went up, I was put into, it was the one um it was the one meeting that my husband couldn't attend the one appointment that my husband couldn't mm -hmm. attend with me so his mum came with us and they actually discussed you know whether or not because of how far on I was that actually if I need if depending on the outcome of what happened at St Mary's is would I consider a termination and obviously for me that's the only thing I heard in that whole oh, yes, like an hour's meeting or something and all I heard was mm. you need to consider termination and obviously other things were spoken about but that's what I kind of came away with so going up to St Mary's was like a massive thing for us um lo you know a lot of worry and and the scans came back absolutely clear and all the tests came back clear, but there was still that possibility of eyesight loss, hearing loss, 
learning difficulty, which obviously, you know, we wouldn't know until she was born, really. So, so right the way through, basically, from around about 11 weeks, you know, had quite a lot going on with my pregnancy and, you know, saw numerous people numerous times, told the story over and over as you get, as you do. And it was also a particularly bad year for weather and appointments got cancelled because of the snow and, yeah, it was just, just a very difficult time. In hindsight, now, I realised that I probably had some antenatal depression. Mm. It wasn't necessarily picked up. I certainly had antenatal anxiety, I would say. And um, one uh, February morning, just before I was 30, um, went, in, went into labour, went into hospital at 8 o'clock, and by 1 o'clock, I'd got a little baby girl. So had a, a a fantastic birth. I have to say I was in a birthing pool. You know, actually, I had what a lot of people write down in their birthing plans, which don't normally go to plan. But for me, my birthing plan went very, very well. But but when she was born, I remember thinking, I'm supposed to cry. That's what they do in the films. People cry mm-hmm. in the films and it's they're all emotional and, they're, you know, they're thinking about things. So I bit my lip to make sure I cried and just had no feelings at all. It was just like, I'm knackered. I've hardly slept. I really want to go and have a sleep. Mm. and because although she was full term she was still only five pound eight she spent a bit of time in special care and you know that so they were in and out doing tests and you know making sure everything was all right with her and because we'd because we'd already got this issues of of what I'd gone through in pregnancy is they were doing more tests on her than what they were at being five pound eight as well so and then on the Saturday though it was due to be my 30th birthday so I was like doing all that please don't let me be in hospital for my 30th I want to go home and you know did a lot of crying that week and was they just kept saying to me you know it's normal to cry it's okay don't worry about it and I was like I'm crying far more than everybody else and they were like no no it's fine it's fine it's okay so so went home you know and things were all right but I didn't feel anything Mm. at all and those expectations I guess you know my expectations were extremely high um and I thought that I should feel this gush of love and rush of affection and protection of her and stuff and I and I never I, I didn't have that and I was kind of waiting for it and it didn't happen at four weeks I went to see a GP spoke to the GP and she said you know you just need a bit of sleep and you're all right and things are okay and at six weeks the health visitor came around to do the Edinburgh scoring as they do and have had my um, six-week check and I knew my health visitor professionally and I actually said to her oh I'm not really sure what to write on this form and she said oh you're all right don't worry about it so I lied and you know just covered it up totally at 10 weeks I went to see a different GP again and she said, I think we need to be mindful of postnatal depression because obviously things aren't quite right. But I think we're all I think you're all right. You know, let's just keep going. We'll get some sleep and, you know, keep trying. And at ten and a half weeks, I, I stood on a, a railway bridge. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I literally I pull myself up because they're quite high. I pull myself up and literally went straight back down again. And I walked straight to the GP surgery, mm-hmm. into the surgery asked if I could see a doctor they said oh no there's no appointments you can't walk in and I, I, I said to the reception what had happened and she just oh. went that's fine we'll get you on and and you know the GP that I saw literally bearing in mind I had no appointment I was in with her for over an hour um she was absolutely amazing and you know we I was really honest and we did the Edinburgh scoring again and she made sure that we got the health visitor in and I you know my family all came around and and 
you know, added all that support in there that we kind of really needed. But for the whole time, I just kept saying, I, I, I just want to talk to somebody. Who can I talk to? And I, I didn't, up until that point, I'd gone to some breastfeeding groups and, you know, we'd gone in and we'd cried and we'd said the same things. And at that point, though, it was decided because she was feeding so regularly and, and the belief of medication at the time of, of breastfeeding and everything else, I stopped breastfeeding and literally did it. So I had that then guilt of I'm now not breastfeeding. Mm. But of course, I couldn't go to those breastfeeding groups either because I wasn't breastfeeding. So I felt like I had nobody. Yeah, isolated. Very isolated. Yeah. Yeah. And I did though. So I went to I went, you name a baby group and I was there, you know, like the whole shebang, morning, noon. I went to see friends in the afternoon. My um, ex-husband worked shift work, so we did four on, four off. So I literally did things because ultimately I, got, I never wanted to be on my own with a baby. I didn't, you know, I was fine and I could put on this show for everybody else and be a wonderful mum and have a nice smile on her face when I was in front of everybody else. But at home, that's not how I felt. And, you know, I was falling apart. So I kind of threw myself into everything in order to to stop those feelings. What were you when you when you say you couldn't be on your own? Was that because of you felt isolated or you felt like you weren't being a good mum or you were going to do something wrong with your baby? What what was the reason? I think there was a mixture really of whilst I was in front of other people I could put a performance on and it was okay whereas when I was at home I didn't quite know ultimately I was isolated I wanted to cry I had a lot of intrusive thoughts so if I was you know I remember standing at the top of the stairs changing a light bulb and thinking if I fell now who would know that I've fallen who would know that that's happened I've just got a baby in the room and nobody would know and who would care and who would who's going to come and look after me and you know driving along and I'd be thinking about driving into a tree you know if I let go of the steering wheel now what would happen and who would find me and and I've just got a baby with me and and would people care and and that whole mixture of things yet when I was with other people because it was the distraction I wasn't going over all those things in my mind Mm. and in my head I think how common is this? Because now that you break the smile group and you're working with people who have like postnatal depression, how how common is it? Because I know we, we had a guest on in our first series who, who faced something similar. And when you're feeling like this, you kind of tend to feel like you're the only person. Yeah, but you're you not, I mean, are you? You're not at all. I mean, the national figures that they are specifically using are one in seven, but actually branded around as one in five is, is mm. more realistic. And particularly at the moment, I would certainly say that one in five is, is much higher. Um, 10 years ago, though, it was about one in 15, they reckon. So mm, it has probably changed. Not, because like, yeah. like you did when you first uh, was experiencing it, you kind of lied about it and you didn't tell anybody. Yeah, and, and who is, and, and for me, because the media particularly, to me, postnatal depression was you killed or you harmed yourself or your baby. Whereas now I realise that that's actually postpartum psychosis or purple psychosis and it's not postnatal depression. So, you know, the media have had that change in things. So I was thinking, oh, I'm not that extreme. I'm not actually doing that and trying to do that. So it's not postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just finding it hard and this must be what it's kind of like. But then nobody spoke about it either. Um, and I, I do remember 
a, a friend, a mum friend who, you know, always looked amazing and the house was perfect and, you know, she always had her makeup on and all the rest of it. And I was, you know, really jealous of, you know, she totally got it all together. And six months or so later, having a conversation with her and I said how I was feeling and she went, I'm exactly the same. I've been to the doctors, I'm on, I'm on tablets. And I was a bit like, what, what, what do you mean? You know, and actually she the reason her house was so immaculate was because she'd got postnatal OCD mm-hmm. and couldn't leave things and couldn't not do things, you know. And, you know, actually that relationship really formed and, and bonded over that whole thing because I kind of had somebody to talk to mm-hmm. you know, similar. And, and that's what I kept saying to the health visitor is there must be somebody out there that we can talk to. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, you, did you have these would you say you had sort of mental health or depression challenges before having a baby it all no came- my no my parents separated when I was 16 and when I was 17 I had two weeks off work with, with stress and was quite unhappy but other than mm. that mm. nothing before nothing yeah. certainly not to that extreme so after and, the so when when you when you've been to the your GP your new GP what sort of treatment did you get and support did you get well so the GP was very good and and said you know we can look at counseling and stuff like that and the IAP service at the time the talk therapies that was available at the time it somehow I I was unfortunate to slip the net shall we say and um I saw them in the set I saw them in October I, I the referrals made sorry in the October beginning of January in 2011 I had my first appointment with them where you kind of discuss how you are and everything and I literally opened up and poured my heart out and actually wasn't in a great place again so I'd things had improved for me and then they kind of started slipping at that point and um the the, the guy went so uh, it'll be six to 12 months before you see you all right <laughs> bye and I kind of just went oh so at that point we I, we went privately so between my mum paid for a few sessions my dad paid for a few sessions we did my in-laws paid for a few sessions you know we all kind of because they just equally they didn't want to see me where I was you know mm-hmm. 10 11 months earlier um and that was the point that in January 11 was when the health visitor my health visitor happened to also be Natalie's health visitor <clears throat> and unbeknownst to me she was going through something similar and saying who can I talk to I want to talk to somebody and so they put us in touch with each other we went to the children's center the children's center manager the health visitor Natalie and I and within a few weeks smile group was formed ultimately um so Natalie's your your partner that runs the smile group yeah so yeah so Natalie she her baby was born in the August so six months later um and and she'd had a a traumatic birth difficult birth and whereas she'd literally from day one had been hammering on the door of the doctors going give me help give me support and I need this and this isn't right and and she'd kind of got it so you had um you've gone on and had a second child um you've got a four-year-old is it she is yep yeah. so did you have postnatal depression then second time no I I struggled but I didn't none of the feelings at all that I had the first time um it was hard and it you know I think it is hard sleep deprivation and things like that but having you know I had second time round, I had the specialist team involved right from the beginning from midwifery had early health visitor appointments had a great health visitor who was there all the time you know uh checking in and I did things quite differently so I didn't put the pressure on myself you know I hardly went to any baby groups at all because I I, you know I I think I added to a lot of pressure to myself and Mm. you know actually 
if I was tired, I, I, I did do the classic of sit and watch Netflix and, and box sets and things like that the second time, which I never allowed myself to do at all the first time. And, you know, second child, though, she had to fit into the school runs. And by that point as well, um, so I'd, I'd separated from uh, Amber's dad, uh, my first daughter's, and um, I'd got with Michael and he'd got stepkids. So actually there was, when I found out I was pregnant with, with Freya, I literally spent three weeks crying though because it wasn't just with Amber it was just her mm. second time it was actually there was four step there was another child of mine and three step kids as well so you know there was a lot of oh my goodness me I don't know if I can go back there and how am I going to be and but I was very open and honest from the start I was in with my GP you know the midwives knew you know I was I, I was kind of prepared I guess so not having those expectations on me and what's your it, you you set up a smile group now so let's come on to what smile group does and are you running this full time have you been are you yeah. fine to run it how does it work so um up until july <laughs> last year um so so yeah we set up in 2010 we had a game changer in 2016 where we were funded from comet relief three years started out as a three-year project of of 100k and wow. that that set up so we'd got Macclesfield and, Co- and Congleton by then um just running groups and and one of the things that we'd realized was that actually groups aren't for everybody there are people that can't you know whereas I was out all the time there were other people who don't want mm. to leave the house as well so back in 2016 we got this funding from Comet Relief which enabled us to set up Sandbatch Group and this one-to-one home visit service where we went out into the homes as well of, of people within those the children's centre footprints and um like I say it was kind of a game changer so we were paid for a day a week and we did a lot of fundraising and stuff and then um that came to an end in January last year and they said that's it there's no more funding and then about a month later they came back to us and said there's actually a small pot of money however you need to you need to do this full time because you're trying to run it alongside other jobs and do other things mm. and and genuinely you know we were we both Natalie and I had have had full time jobs and did smile on 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 top of that mm. for so long so we have from 2012 we did pay our facilitators and we fundraised for them and the people at group because we wanted it to be that regular person at group every time so people knew who was going to be there so when they dropped in you know they knew that it was going to be Sue or Bronya you know it was going to be those people so we have the groups we have the one-to-one home service um back in 2012 as well because of what had happened with me with counselling we made the decision as well that we were going to have counsellors at group you know long waiting lists with uh IAPT and, and talk therapies although it is different now um, if you've had a baby in under 12 months but also you couldn't always take the baby into therapy into into counseling and actually if you're a mum who is breastfeeding or you're struggling with anxiety and separation and, yeah. and things like that the last thing you're going to do is go oh yeah I'll leave my baby and, and it wasn't even you couldn't have them in the waiting room either because a distraction for other people if they were upset so Gosh. so we made the decision that actually we were going to have counsellors at our group so if you need to take the baby in with you you took the baby in with you or you can or baby can stay in the group with our facilitators and you know ultimately because you're next door you can hear them crying and you can come and get them or we'll bring them to you or you know whatever it is that suits you that's that's good for you so 
so the counsellors we've got the counselling we have family sessions um they were at, um at the moment they're obviously paused but they were at ruby's fund in congleton once a month and oh. and and that was again for you know my ex-husband worked shift work and so quite often on a Saturday there was no groups or anything going on and people weren't necessarily around so there was the opportunity for that there was the opportunity for those mums that have gone back to work that actually still needed some help and support they could come on the weekends um, and also what we see though is so we get a lot of dads coming mm. along as well at the weekends so you know it's really nice for actually the dads to be able to talk with each other and also the dads to talk and speak to us about what's going on for them or how best they can help their partner and you know that's that's kind of one of our dreams in the future really is that that's where we're looking at we'd love to have a dad service is kind of our next big thing because a lot of the time dads are often forgotten about in in all this and you know again it was male postnatal depression was never talked about um 10 years ago but but the, the the statistics out there now are saying one in 10 dads will struggle with postnatal depression and some of that is about um so they might hold it together whilst mum is struggling and then as mum starts to improve dad then drops off mm. some of it is you know actually we forget that there's a massive change in dad's lives as well um and things and and, and another big sign is is actually the trauma and the delayed trauma so you know your wife that you care your partner that you absolutely love and and think the world of has a traumatic birth or you know has a birth of any description whether it's traumatic or not and they're left watching you aren't they and you know where it is a traumatic birth and and for instance in Natalie's case where she was like taken off because she'd lost so much blood and they took her off to do surgery and blood transfusions he was left in a room that was like covered in blood splattered everywhere Mm. his wife who was barely breathing and so he didn't know whether she was alive or or what and he was just like left in a room holding a baby that he'd never held a baby before you know and and so the trauma for dads as well you know I don't think we can forget and underestimate that the impact of that Mm. um and and again you know my ex-husband for him we had nice house we had nice cars we had you know the next step was a family you know it's all I'd ever wanted and he couldn't there was a side of him that couldn't comprehend why you've got everything we wanted why are you feeling like you're feeling and you know why why are you kind of pushing her away pushing the baby away and and not wanting it he really struggled with that and you know for Natalie and I we both said if we can help one person then we've kind of done our job and obviously (laughs) there's an awful lot more out there isn't there and you know I, I think had I have had somebody else to talk to, I don't think I'd have got as bad as what I did. And, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of peer support, isn't it, really, is that you're talking to somebody else who's been there and done it and is in mm-hmm. a situation. And-, and because they understand how you feel, because, you know, your partner might, like you were saying, your partner doesn't understand, but it can be the same for any kind of condition, anything that you kind of go go through, speaking to mm-hmm. somebody who completely understands and gets it because they've been there and that can really make a difference. Yeah. So totally. about helping one person, but you've been going now for, what did you say, 10, 10 years? 10 years, next now, week, yeah. Definitely yeah. more than one person. How, yeah, how, yeah. how many people do you support on a, on a sort of weekly, monthly basis? Well, uh, so we've just done our figures for last year, to be fair. So we supported 203 families last year and 140 of those were new to our service last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, because of our figures for Comet Relief and stuff, we know so from since 
2016, we've helped uh, just under 750 families. Oh, that's a lot of family. That's amazing. Mm. It is, yeah. It's definitely so, tick that help one person. <laughs> it is, yeah, you know, and from such a negative experience, you know, mm. that day that was just horrendous. And at that time, there was never a light at the end of the tunnel to where we are now. And for me, you know, if you'd have asked me 18 months ago, what would be your dream job? My constant goal was saying, I'd like to work for Smile full time. You know, that would be my dream is that actually we're funded, we're paid for and we, we I'm working for Smile full time yeah. and I'm here. So, you know, yeah, 10 years on from where we are, mm. um, I'm, I'm doing a dream job, aren't I? <laughs> Definitely. How have you found the lockdown period with, with mums? Because I know we, with the Nandridge Buddies, it's been flagged up to us that there certainly are some mums that are feeling very isolated because they aren't able to go to the, 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 the baby groups and such like. Have you been able to reach out and support them? Yeah, so we have, other than the first initial lockdown, the first three months, um, we have been running throughout. We've we've changed and adapted our service constantly. So um, phone calls, emails, texts, Zoom, um, you know, we've done all that. Where we can, we've done walks and, and actually our walks are going to start resuming from the 15th of, of March again. Um, but we have been doing one-to-one walks with mums so getting them out and and having a walk around wherever they are the estate the the park whatever and then being able to talk to us and things so and there's a real mixture of when when you talk to to mums some will say do you know what I don't know any difference and actually it's really nice having my partner around because he's seeing my child the baby grow up and and doing things to actually some people who are quite cross and rightly so that you know their partners missed out on so much so not being able to go to scans and you know appointments with them and you know it must be absolutely horrendous and you know not being able to go and register the birth of their child and and do those things that you know actually we take for granted don't we in in a normal scenario um yeah difficult time for for people so the future now then you're you're 10 years in you're working full-time for smile what's the next 10 years look like oh <laughs> well we'd say five years three five years. years yeah <laughs> um literally so on the 15th of um march we will be doing our first walks in nantwich so we submitted an application for a fund for to start last year in nantwich and and we were kind of just starting to get to the point where we we they just agreed it in march so obviously everything's been on hold and there's no way so we're a year over but it's all right you know we're kind of we're coming into nantwich now so that's our fourth group um we'd like a dad service is the next thing and then i think um crew and Wimslow that can but both of those areas as well so fifth sixth group um so there's kind of one in each major area of Cheshire East would be kind of great because of the beauty of online stuff and and everything else that's come out of of COVID in some ways is is that we are able to access those mums in in a different those families in a different way than, mm. than what we did before and you know maybe we don't need a necessarily need a physical group in a physical base and actually doing some walks and things like that is kind of where we're going to at but it is that you know actually we'd like to make sure that we're really established within Cheshire East and and actually is it that one in five, one in 10 mums are accessing some sort of service or know about us? And it's, and it's really hard that though, because 
if you don't realize until afterwards which is what a lot of people will say you know two or three down years down the line don't they they say actually I think I struggled and I just didn't yeah. realize it my my daughter was about three I reckon well she just before she was three Amber I had a really serious car crash um where we totally span in the snow and rolled and I had to post her out of the window of the, the car as we were kind of on our sides and that was the first time that gush of love protection you know really? that I actually thought would, would was going to happen at birth that's when that happened to me Gosh. so she was really three before that happened second time um second daughter she was about three weeks old Massive mm. difference, but yeah. you no, know, and and it didn't. I, you know, not necessarily done anything different. But second time, you know, there was and nothing happened on with Freya. Nothing happened. There wasn't a big accident or anything like that. But suddenly, I felt this real protection of her. Um, oh, but with Amber, I hadn't hadn't had it in the same way at all. Yeah, what an incredible story. It's been lovely listening to you, and uh, thank you very much indeed for sharing it with us. Yeah. Tell us first of all your contact details and how people can find the Smile Group. So uh, website, www.thesmilegroup.org. Our email address is hello at thesmilegroup.org. And to be fair, we're on Facebook, we're on social media. Um, emailing in though, people can self-refer in um, for any of our services. Uh, they can just send an email. We do get them on Facebook, but ultimately we like to have that email in that email contact in mm. um, and then health professionals can refer into the one-to-one in the homes which obviously at the moment we're doing these walks and things like that so that's not quite needed but when we are up and running and back in the homes again that's a health visitor referral but everything else is self-referral or dropping okay. so they can turn up to our walk so for the next few weeks it'll be at Nantwich Lake on a Monday morning you know mums can just turn up there and have a little walk so and chat. Cool. And it's, it's great to know all this because we certainly come across people mostly at the moment we're supporting older people but we've certainly had a few parents new mums and things over the lockdown period that have that have struggled and, and have reached out wanting to to have some support yeah i must mention your 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 um logo is brilliant there's the acronym supporting mums in living with emotions smile yes yeah, so what was the wine did you need to work that one out <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the health to the word that one out. that was very clever of her wasn't it um, but we are actually for our 10th anniversary next week we're having a relaunch so we're having a new logo a new branding and all Lovely. sorts Excellent. Um, yeah I was going to ask you if you're doing anything in particular to celebrate for your 10 year anniversary well so we're, t- getting we're out of lockdown. yeah, yeah. Getting our, our theory is that 10 years is it's for the whole year isn't it so yeah. we are going to have a load of events and hopefully we'll have a bit of an easter egg hunt and you know we'd love we'd love towards the end of the year to be fair to have a ball of some description really but obviously we're going to have to see on that but um there's definitely going to be lots of little events and one another one of my dreams my pipeline dreams and don't ask me why (laughs) is i'd love to walk on hot coals so obviously (laughs) i'm going to need to do some sorts have you done it yeah 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 i've done it years years ago yeah bonkers i've done it twice actually for some weird reason (laughs) just yeah. yeah Yeah, our groups that will come, you, you form a group of, of, of people and you, you hire the, the, the professional person yeah. in. Yeah, it's not something I've heard of much lately. It was years ago when I did my NLP training and, and I was all into like loads of these different things. I used to go off with a couple of friends around the country doing all sorts of ra- random uh, workshops and things, motivational stuff. And that was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. yeah. Does it hurt? 
No, it didn't hurt. Didn't didn't burn. No. Ooh, no. I think they get you into such a good. Yeah, you get into. Trance it's is the wrong thing, yeah, but very hyped up. And I think we were told to sh- to think cold water, cold water, cold. I think I was. I would think I was saying something as I was going along, um, just to yeah. But no, it was it was great. I did it. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So some. Some oh, fundraising, it's... doing some things like that, really, yeah, is, is yeah. kind of our next 10 years, uh, next 10 years, or over the next year <laughs> to celebrate our 10th year. <laughs> One step at a time. So right. What we always do is, uh, is, is ask our guests a little bit about their recommendations for good mental health and also, because it's a happiness hub, what makes you happy? Oh, what makes me happy? Do you know, I know it's a cliche, my kids make me happy. Oh. Um I, I I love I love my job at the moment. I do. It's hard sometimes. Don't get me wrong. And I've gone in September. Ultimately, you know, I've I've gone from doing it one day a week to doing it full time, and I've had to learn so much. And there's been times it's been really overwhelming. But actually, I'm so so proud. I'm I'm really proud of my daughter, and I say it to her all the time because of Smile Group is around because of her. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of that mental well-being is you know for me is and this is so hard and I know it's it is a cliche as a mum it's so so difficult but you've got to do some things for yourself you've got to take time out for yourself and and nap when the baby naps I mean my my child never napped which is probably part of my problem and she never slept but even if it is just sitting down with a book or watching tv you've got to take some time out for yourself Mm -hmm. you've got Mm -hmm. to and having a bath and things and that's really hard as a mum because you feel guilty around that and I think particularly early on you know you're like whizzing the shower and you still keep the baby there and things like that but you know you've got to have some time for yourself how can it help people with that guilt there is definitely a guilt about and people thinking they're selfish by doing that whether they're mums or not how do you get them to change that yeah you do for me how I've managed to change it is turn it on actually I'm teaching my girls my kids that it's good to look after yourself Mm. sometimes so they know sometimes that mummy goes and has some me time because that's good for mummy's head Mm. um and and there is that flip isn't it that how can how can we change that thought and that guilt process if we don't do it and actually if we if we're not open and honest and we don't and we don't talk about it with everybody and say do you know what I did this for myself the other day then not talking and not being open and honest is one of the things that keeps us feeling guilty and like we shouldn't be doing it yeah yeah absolutely yeah shout about it (laughs) brilliant well thank you so much Ruth for your time it's been uh, really fascinating talking to you and many many congratulations and very best wishes for the next 10 years of the smile group (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, everybody. Very welcome. <laughs> You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. <laughs>